Yeah, I think. I yeah. Go ahead. Go for it. Nope. Nope. Go for it. Nope. I'm not going, Laws. <laughs> I forgot what I had to say at this point. Me too. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy Welcome to the podcast that we love to do. Um, in addition to what we're feeling this week, today we are talking about Pixar's newest release, Coco. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and tell the world what is your favorite Pixar short to date. My name is Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think my favorite one has to be the first one I remember seeing, which is For the Birds, the short that appeared mm, before Monsters, that's Inc. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's just, it's a classic. I remember being delighted by it. Um, it's it's hilarious. I'm Lawson Sauer, the art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and my favorite short, I think, is La Luna. I just think it's so beautiful, and it's such a fun story, and it probably is getting an extra special place in my heart because it reminds me of Coco a little bit. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Lucas, right, a designer in the Bay Area, and my favorite is Night and Day, the short oh. that appeared before Toy Story 3. It's a good um, one. I think just... The combination of like the 3D and 2D animation that it does is super clever, and it's just everything I want Pixar to be, just encapsulated in that short. You know, mm. Lucas, when you asked this question, I really wanted to say one that's not a Pixar short, but do y'all remember that short <laughs> um, with like the paper flying around yes, and the couple? Yes. Yes. I was like, oh, yeah. that one, easily. And then I was like, oh, yeah. wait, that's not Pixar. No, that is a Disney short, yeah. which we will talk more about later. Yeah. <laughs> True. Well, every week we like to talk about things that we've discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a movie, a TV show, um, a song, something like that. So, t Sandra, kick us off with what are you feeling this week? Okay, so this week I'm feeling a website slash app. Um, I primarily use the website function of it. Have y'all ever used this website called Rabbit? No, okay. I have not. This is a great, great tool for people who are kind of like pop culture, media obsessed like we are. Um, Rabbit is a video chat tool um, to that helps you watch movies or TV shows with people who are far away. So right now I have a friend who moved to France and before he moved to France, um, he and I were watching Project Runway together. Each week he would come over to my house, we would watch the newest episode of Project Runway, and he left in the middle of the season, um, but we wanted to keep watching. So I found this tool called Rabbit where he and I can Skype each other and at the same time pull up a link to a TV show and watch the exact episode together. Um, we can watch each other's reactions. We can chat about what's happening on the show. Project Runway is one of those shows that's really best enjoyed when you're watching it with someone else because you get to comment on the clothes and, and how <laughs> things are going and, and what, how things look on the runway. It's not a show that's fun to watch by yourself. Um, so rabbit has been so helpful for, um, 
keeping us close and connected and watching this TV show. I imagine that if you're in a long distance relationship, um, this would be an essential tool to just having that sense of normalcy of just watching Netflix together. Um, It's really, uh, it works so well. You know, that was one of my main concerns when we started using it was, you know, sometimes when you Skype with people, there's like this lag and mm-hmm. would, you know, um, video chatting with someone in France and watching a TV show at the same time, what kind of lag would there be? We have had almost no issues whatsoever. Um, the way Rabbit works is the person who sets up the quote unquote room, sort of like a chat room that you can invite people to, um, mm-hmm. has controls over the video that you're watching together. So you have play, pause, volume control. um, And one person has the controls. You can give up the control if you want to, to a different person in the chat room. And um, yeah, I've experienced no lag. I think the closest I've had is where the video link that we've watched sometimes has to buffer, but just that's like any normal online video. But otherwise, it's been a really smooth experience, and um, I've loved using it. So if you have someone that you love that's far away, and you want to just do the simple thing of watching a TV show or a movie together, I would recommend using Rabbit. That's awesome. What is the website? Because I went to rabbit.com, and it is definitely not that. Sure. And then I went to rabbit.org. And that is a website about finding uh, finding <laughs> homes for unwanted rabbits. So that's where I am now. <laughs> That's a great question, Lucas. It's R-A-B-B dot I-T. Oh, gosh. Of course it is. Yeah. But if you Google (laughs) rabbit screen sharing or rabbit, you know, watch a TV show together, I'm sure you can find the right link. Oh, that's fun. I am glad that we did promote finding safe homes for domesticated rabbits as well in this podcast. Great yeah, cost. its tagline is "Buy a bunny a little time." So, <laughs> oh my god, many articles about living with a rabbit, um, <laughs> your resources for bringing rabbits into your home. Yeah. You can jo- join the society or donate. So that's what I'm feeling. Yeah. Buy a bunny a little Rabbit time. Dollar. It's like, don't forget, this is all a mortality game. Yes, it's true. <laughs> their, their logo is a rabbit with a claw. Oh, that's a very <laughs> fitting theme for this week's episode. So, oh wow, that is say. on theme. Yeah. Um, I really quickly just want to say that there's also an app, but I've never used the Rabbit app, so I can't vouch for how good well that works. Um, okay. I've only ever used the website for. But ho- check it but out. if you are primarily an iOS user, there is an app available. Next time I'm in the movie theater, I might hit you guys up on Rabbit and see if you guys want to <laughs> yeah. watch a movie with yeah, me. Yeah, just join in, um, you know. Yeah. yeah. That... <laughs> I, Tanya, or whatever. Sounds very legal and like it would save me money. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I remember uh, whenever I was in college, I would watch, like, flip to the Disney Channel and then get on AOL Instant Messenger with some friends and be like, <laughs> you want to talk about how much this movie sucks while we watch it at the same time? And it was so fun. So yeah. uh, People said yes to that? We we were having trouble making new friends, Lucas, <laughs> <laughs> for reasons that might be obvious based on that scenario. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, long-distance relationships, long-distance friendships, This is uh, this is such a great app. I'm so glad that this is real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check it out. Well, Lawson, what are you feeling this week? All right. This week, I am feeling a song called Heavenly Father. And <laughs> I was introduced to this song because um, all of the three of us have taken to making Spotify playlists every, with every new season. And um, 
this for fall, Lucas's playlist started off with a song called Heavenly Father by a group called Fundamentally Sound, um, off an album called Uncle Murgatroyd's Music Box, and it's an acapella composition. Yeah, so, if you can't tell by the name of the band in the, in the, right, in the album title, right. so definitely r- acapella group. <laughs> <laughs> right away, this is checking off all my boxes for something I wouldn't be interested in, like <laughs> an all-male collegiate acapella group from the University of Wisconsin-Madison campus. Uh, <laughs> they all wear red and suspenders. Um, not usually my jam. I'm happy for the people <laughs> whose jam it is. Um, but I was listening to this song, and I would listen to Lucas's playlist, and I found myself coming back to this first song over and over. And I was like, what is with this song that I love it so much, despite all of these All, all of the red flags. <laughs> oh, yeah. All, my, all the red flags, all the red shirts with suspenders, and I'm still <laughs> loving this song. Um, and then I looked up the rest of the album, and everything else was a cover. And I was like, that's so weird that they only have one original song. And it's right oh, in the middle sense. of their album. <laughs> and um, and it's their best one by far. Like, they should be writing their own songs. So then... Um, well, so whenever... this is the Game Boy Xbox all over again. Just <laughs> yeah, It really is. So whenever I'm uh, at home for Thanksgiving last week, uh, we did Christmas early. So... Thanksgiving was Thursday, Christmas Eve was Friday, Christmas morning was Saturday, and it was great. And one of the gifts that I got that I was super excited about was Apple AirPods. And <gasps> no, I, yes. Oh, we're gonna I, have a combo about those later. <laughs> I never would have expected it, but it was on the Amazon list on a wish and a prayer, and it happened. And I love them. And so I was showing my brother um, how much better I thought the sound was than the typical like. Uh, recorded uh, headphones and to demonstrate that i played him my new favorite song heavenly father <laughs> and so when i was listening to it i was like yeah it's so weird this acapella group wrote this and lane was like i don't know this sounds really familiar <laughs> and i was like yeah i don't know it's it's really good right it just like has that quality get stuck in your head and he was like listened another few seconds and said no, Boney Bear wrote this song. <laughs> like, oh, that's why I'm obsessed with it because I love everything Boney Bear writes, and these lyrics are right up that same alley, and everything <laughs> like. Uh, so it was just like this amazing saga, and it felt like everything finally made sense. So, the reason I did not know that this was a Boney Bear track that Justin Vernon had written it was because. Um, Justin Vernon wrote it as an original song for Zach Braff's new movie, Wish I Was Here. Um, He got to see an early screener, and as the movie was ending, um, started humming, and then by the end of the night, after he had seen the film for the first time, had written the first draft of this song. And it's not on Spotify, so there was no way for, whenever I did my initial search there, there was no way it was going to pop up. And... um, it's only available to download on iTunes, but it's also available to watch on YouTube. Um, and there's an acapella version of him singing it there too, interestingly. But um, the full instrumental, auto-tuned, um, original composition is on YouTube and on iTunes. And this song is beautiful. One of the things that I love so much about um, Bon Iver's newest full album, 22 A Million, is how much... Um, he is vulnerable 
and uh, honest about his interactions with the divine and his perception of God. And I really identify with a lot of it. And even the stuff that I don't 100% identify with, I think is a really, really beautiful thought and um, really profoundly expressed. And uh, his song, uh, 33 God from the album is, was quickly like moving up my list of one of my favorite songs he'd ever written. Um, but one of the reasons I love this acapella track so much was because of the lyrics and kind of the interesting cryptic way everything was put together and hearing the original composition, it's all that turned up to 11. Um, yep. it's raw, it's, um, heartfelt, it's, um, it's, lost it's free it's so many emotions um so so strongly played and um i just love it and so i think it is worth your a dollar and 40 cents whatever it is off itunes um i downloaded it and made it the final track on 22 a million on my spotify playlist for it uh for this album um (laughs) new track called 23 a million um but (laughs) it's it's fantastic, um, and I want to play a short clip from it now. I don't know how you house the sin, but you're free now. I was never sure how much of you I could let in. I'm free now. Won't you settle down, baby? Many of you may already be well aware of this song. It's been out for a while, but uh, for anyone like me who did not know about it, um, definitely check it out. It is beautiful and moving. Um, moral of the story, if you're an acapella band, do more Bon Iver covers. Uh, totally. Truth. <laughs> I still go back to that acapella cover now. I'm like, that's oh, good in that its own way. It's still really good. It's beautiful. I it's mean, gorgeous. Yep. I never heard it until Lucas had put it on that playlist, and I go back to that one specific yeah. song all the time. Yeah, pretty dope. So thank you for introducing it to me, Lucas, and thank you, Lane, if you're out there listening. <laughs> you know, it was Bonnie Bear. I texted Lucas, and he was like, wait, you didn't know that? I'm like, I've been raving about this this whole time. You never thought to mention? Anyway. <laughs> I just assumed everyone knew. Fair enough. Apologies. It's my fault for never seeing Wish I Was Here. I was. It came out on my birthday. I was going to see it, and I just never got to see it. Well, so There you go. Got to see that now, too. on Netflix. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, well, this week I am feeling, um, I would say, a somewhat controversial movie. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, the newest film by writer-director Martin McDowell, um, which stars uh, Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, and Sam Rockwell. Have any of you guys seen this yet? I'm probably going to see it this week, like either tonight okay. or tomorrow. Yeah, okay. I plan on seeing it. Uh, I haven't seen it. Do you guys love Martin McDowell movies? You Seven know, Psychopaths, In Bruges. I loved In Bruges. I haven't seen either of those, Lucas, but I feel like I would love them. Okay. Very dark Darkly funny, but super like, dark. Also, comedies. an incredible sense of place. Yes, he is a playwright, multiple Tony Award nominee, um, and so a lot of his movies, a lot of his movies. He has three movies. <laughs> um, all three of his movies feel like plays. Um, just a lot of moral complexity, a lot of um, you know 
small scenarios, not a lot happens in his movies, um, but it feels like a ton happens. Um, I love them all. Now, my biggest issue with Three Billboards is that he very slightly tries to address race and sexism, which he's very not good at addressing at all. (laughs) And so in this movie, he kind of hints at it and you're like, yeah, dude, you are not you're not coming at this well in any way, shape or form. Mm. But he should have just stuck to making his movies about white people in white places. But overall, if this is a movie about white people in white places, this is a really good movie. (laughs) Um, Everyone gives really stellar performances. Um, You get to see the good side in literally everybody, and you get to see the bad bad side of literally everybody in this movie. Um, It's a movie that I left the theater still thinking about for the next, like, day and a half, Um, and I'm really excited to see it again. You know, Lucas, I'm beyond excited to see this movie um we are now in awards season i would say Mm -hmm. um one critic that i love said that francis mcdormand has best actress on a lock because of this movie how do you feel about that i wouldn't say she's got it on a lock um she does she makes the movie she really does because like i said he's he's not good at writing female characters he's never really done that before <laughs> um and she takes this performance that i think could have been just a man at any point in time just a man in this role um and she i think makes it more of a real character so i think she is doing some heavy heavy lifting in this movie mm. and it turns out really really well um I'll, we'll talk about it later, but I think there are some other performances that might win her out. Nominee, for sure she's getting nominated. Okay. Um, winning this, I don't know. Okay. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Um, is this movie based on a true story? It is not. It is 100% fictional. Okay. Um, he was on a bus uh, riding through the Midwest somewhere and saw some signs on a billboard um, that made him think up this story. So yeah. um, he, it was inspired, but it is completely fictional. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I everything about, like, if you write all the details of this movie down on paper, it's I'm like, yep, that's a movie I'm going to see. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thrilled to see it, and uh, it's good to know going in that um, whenever they start talking about race, not to get my hopes up, like, all right, they're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I definitely got my hopes up a little bit, and then I was like, oh, okay, well, that's... <laughs> what you expect (laughs) uh yeah this is i think this is his first movie with anybody but white people in it at all yeah and they are barely characters (laughs) so um but yeah that's three billboards outside epping missouri despite its flaws this is a really really well done movie and i am excited to for more people to see it in the future me too yeah, do we want to talk about the Gotham Awards? I'd love to just briefly chat about it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I just kind of want to run through who the winners are. Um, just because I think, again, it's Oscar season. It's award season. Gotham Awards are kind of becoming my more the most valued awards for me. Not in terms of watching the show and getting excited about that, but... Just like uh, seeing where this is going to, this Oscar season is going to Or just go. like the movies that are winning these Gotham Awards are probably mm-hmm. going to be my favorite movies of the year. You know, the mm, the big yeah. studio films are le- less likely to be, you know, 
the top of my list. Um, it's true. You know, I'm my favorite movies list is now slowly becoming just whatever A24 makes. <laughs> yeah, right. Very true. Very so true. <laughs> the Gotham Awards are like really important to me nowadays. Um, so last night was the Gotham Awards. Call Me by Your Name won Best Feature, which is not a big surprise. Um, yeah, I I'm. A little nervous because the amount of hype for this movie for me is getting to dangerous levels. Um, <laughs> I, I I've been I've never been so excited for a movie. Um, Jordan Peele won Best Director and Best Writer for and Best Screenplay mm-hmm. for Get Out. Um, that's really exciting to me. The idea of Jordan Peele getting an Oscar nom for directing for Get Out I think is really really cool. Um, yeah. And I hope it happens. Um, if we come down to Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig, this is going to be the weirdest <laughs> I mean, it is, Oscar and, and the best, yeah, the I'm best Oscar circuit so we've been. So for it. Um, <laughs> Sarsha Ronan um, won Best Actress for Lady Bird, um, yes. which I think is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, James Franco won Best Actor for The Disaster Artist. Now, oh, wow. that is one that I could see being a duplicate at the Oscars. Um, I haven't yeah. seen The Disaster Artist yet, but I don't know. I just really could feel the Academy really getting behind one such like a very mm-hmm. um, specific performance, but also one about like... The Academy loves movies about making movies, and that is exactly what this movie is in a bizarre way. So that's when I could see people really falling behind. Um, And then, let's see what else. Uh, Timothy Chalamet won Breakthrough Actor, um, and Get Out won the Audience Award. So we're really Mm. looking at Get Out getting a Best uh, Picture nomination at the very least. I would be be crazy. Whenever they first came out, a lot of people, I heard several people talking about, I think Get Out, get an Oscar nomination. And I was very cynical and was like, nope. Yes, same. <laughs> um, so if I love that, this and I hope it pushes and keeps that momentum. You know, not only this movie being like a horror movie, like that that almost never gets any Oscar, nomina- Oscar mm-hmm. attention, but mm-hmm. the fact that this movie came out in like February and yeah. that the buzz is still so strong is such a telling sign of how great this movie is because yeah. movies that come out in February and March get forgotten by the time Oscars come around. Um, yeah, I think Grand Budapest Hotel is like the only one that has like made it that long. Yeah, and that's a Wes Anderson movie like that is gonna have legs anyway. Yeah, so and this is crazy. It's not getting attention because it's not an indie movie right now, but um or. Yeah, it's not getting attention right now because it's not an indie movie. But okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but Logan, I wouldn't be surprised if Logan got a little bit of attention at the Oscars as well. Um, not if, any of if the... any superhero movie does, it will be Logan. Yeah, yeah. I'd but I don't know. Not I mean, I don't... any of the like major categories or anything. But I'm one no, of the production yeah. categories. It, I think it would be has a good shot at. Um, yeah. yeah, this is a year, of, you know, movie calendars be damned. Like, times <laughs> <Yeah>. are changing. <laughs> yeah, I could see Logan sure. at least getting a Golden Globe nom. The fact that Deadpool yeah. got a Golden Globe nom, I'm like, Logan's in. But that makes a lot I don't of sense. about Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to bring those up real quick. Get our, you know, 
put our foot in the water of yep. awards talk. We're doing it. I mean, we're getting there. It's award season. Yeah. I love award season. Me too. Get your too. award season hats on. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> it's it's true. It it's is. It's true. <laughs> All right. Let's get into Frozen. Not Frozen. Sorry. Uh, no. Hang on. Do <laughs> we <laughs> watch? Coco. Let's talk about Coco. <laughs> Señoras y señores, buenas tardes, buenas noches, buenas tardes, buenas noches, señoritas y señores, to be here with you tonight brings me joy que alegría, for this music is my language and the world is mi familia, for this music is my language and the world is mi familia. Okay, so before we talk about Coco, should we talk about the Frozen shorts? First, I want to say this. I want to say this to all the people who are planning on going to see Coco. If your screening starts at 7 o'clock, I usually get there like 30 minutes early, so I get my seat, I make sure I'm there, I can watch all the previews, I watch Maria Menounez's pre-show whatever that thing is <laughs> newbies um newbie now whatever yeah. she changed the name to anyway i am there as early as possible but if you're the person who likes to show up like halfway through the previews like struggling to find a seat kind of person that's that's it's totally fine if you are i'm gonna let you know now if your movie starts at 7 p.m you're not actually gonna see coco till 8 p.m that's not you've got true 30 minutes you can no, show no, no, up at no. 7 30 and be safe you've got 30 minutes of trailers and then you have a 30-minute short film. You do not have 30 TV. minutes of trailers. What? I had 20 okay, I watched, I timed it. We had 20 minutes of trailers. The short film was 21 minutes. I had 30 what minutes of trailers. What theaters are y'all going to? I'm getting 10 minutes of trailers max. No, no. I think it was a holiday push. I timed I, it too. I got 10, maybe 15 at the most. I'll say also, my film started late and the projection has messed up the projector. So okay. I had, to, I, had to, I had to tell them to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> but... But it started an hour after the movie was supposed to start. Yeah, that's insane. I think it's only fair if we tell people this is where we're going to start reviewing Coco and we talk about Frozen for 20 minutes. Exactly. And then we start exactly. reviewing Coco. Yeah. Um, so a 21-minute Frozen short film. This isn't a Pixar short. This is a Disney Animation Studios short. And it like they do not set you up for how long this is going to be. Like... Yeah. No, it's the length of, it could be uh, a, you know, that like half hour television shows on Netflix are usually oh, yeah. the same length as a, show, a network show is with the commercials cut out. That's how long this short is. This could be like, this could have easily been a Netflix release that popped up on the very front page and got millions and millions of views. And there could have been a five-minute Pixar short before this. I don't understand yeah. the strategy at all because I don't, I don't know. I don't know who they, is going to go to the movie theater to see the Frozen short and not Coco. I, no, no one will. And I think people were actually upset in my theater because the credits rolled and this kid behind me just goes, I thought we were seeing Coco. He's like seven years old. Because uh, like, it feels like it's over. Like you watched a whole movie almost. Yeah. yeah. I, we got into the second song and I was like, they're setting up a lot of plot threads here that I don't know if they can wrap up in five minutes. And it turns out they did not wrap it up in five minutes. Yeah. Here's the thing. I definitely agree that they should have done a better job of introducing the short film and making it clear that like you're still here to see Fro or here's here to see Coco, but here's a frozen short. Um that I think 
was confusing and I will give it like give everyone that criticism. I will say that anyone who is criticizing the actual short film and not just the presentation of it, um, but the actual short f- film of Frozen, short, Olaf, whatever, um, is being a big <laughs> old grump because that film was sweet and lovely. And I just think that people need to like get off their grumpy high horses and enjoy a little frozen short because I had a lovely time with it. I went in fully expecting it to be trash from the <laughs> like reaction that I got online. I kind of tried to skip it, but then I really couldn't, Lucas, because it goes against every grain in me to show up to a movie late. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I got there like ten minutes late, and there were just trailers happening. So you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I, I I'm, I'm with you I'm with you there the 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 actual short film is good but for me I just kept like wondering like mm. is that like am I in the wrong movie is this a whole movie yeah that's an issue how long am I going to sit here like like yeah if they had set it up better I would have enjoyed it more because it was fun right. I laughed it was good oh I but... cried I straight up <laughs> cried at the end of that short oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was I think because I was not prepared I really. I and let's be very completely honest, Lawson. You have a vendetta against Frozen that is unfair <laughs> and sexist. Oh, that's true. It's not sexist. I loved seeing the uh, sister relationship in that short was my favorite part. It was so sweet and nice and great. And while I was watching it, I thought, I don't see this enough in films. I'm I'm with Frozen for the great things that it's doing. I love <laughs> Moana. It's not a mutually exclusive thing, even though I did that in the past because of how much praise Frozen got and yeah. how much how little praise Moana was getting I felt by comparison was that that's where my I flared up so anyway yeah. um, my, Frozen my, my is fear great. my fear with all Frozen things in the future is that Josh Gad's wonderful Olaf performance will get very Jack Sparrow-y and he will become more of the central character and it will get more outrageous and that will be the thing that they center this stuff around. Yeah. His character design isn't that different from a minion. Um, <laughs> just going to put That's that true. out there. That's true. Um, but Wait, yes the song is. Uh, uh, they're literally just short. That's the only thing they have in common, <laughs> Lawson. They have big eyes and really not a lot of other Welcome features. Welcome to yeah. all of animation. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Except every other character in the Frozen short, um, I what? and he's a sidekick. Sorry, I'm so, not trying to. There you go. I'm not trying to. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I wanted to say the songs were lovely, and I think it strikes me as the kind of thing where if I was watching it with someone who was very excited to see Frozen or um, you know excited to see this new short, and that had been what I sat down to watch, I would have been very pleasantly <laughs> surprised. And yeah. the songs. Even while I was like, man, this is long, I thought the songs were beautiful and sweet and their voices were incredible. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think the presentation is what well, soured it. Yeah, I definitely think that we should have been introduced better. But you know, I'm also going to say I'm not against the idea of longer shorts before feature films. Um like, a 20-minute short, I think, is a great length that we don't see very often anymore. Um, and 
I'm I'm all for people making longer short films. You know, I love the idea of like at film festivals. Um, they often will, have, or at least at South by Southwest, they'll often show like short films that are of you know five to twenty minute lengths and right before feature films. And it's such a great way to just get yourself in the mood for like long form and short form short storytelling. I I'm a fan of it. I I do agree though. You have to know what you're getting into. Yeah. I love that thought. The thought of going down to the bell court and seeing a independent short film right before a feature length. That sounds great. Yeah. Now that you spent 20 minutes talking about. (laughs) Exactly. We did it. Exactly. Um, I know you came here for the Coco and we gave you Frozen. So now you know how we feel. (laughs) Let's talk about Coco. This is a film directed by Lee Unkrich, who we don't really like talk about Pixar directors very much because we associate these films more with the brands than with the director themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has some good movies under his belt. He directed Toy Story 3. He directed Finding Nemo and Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story 2. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, this guy is killing it. Um, And he, what I I was noticing was for Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc. and Finding Nemo, he was a co-director. So they usually have like a, a head director and then almost like an apprentice kind of co-director situation going on here um his co-director for this film is adrian molina who also wrote this film and wrote some of the music for this film so i am very interested to see what andrew molina or adrian molina does in the future (laughs) for pixar but um overall what did you guys think of coco i loved this movie more than i can express (laughs) um i uh (laughs) I laughed, I cried, I sobbed in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so incredibly touching, so incredibly affectionate, so fun and imaginative and inventive, um, and stunningly beautiful. Um, the visuals were uh, distinct. The visuals were, um, it felt like so, such a... Uh, a, a fond, um, familiar, and uh, you just could feel someone's heart overflowing with love for um, the Day of the Dead and Mexican culture and so much of um, the art that is in, inspired um, in this film. And I, I, the, the love that is shown in this film for, um, for family and for, um, senior citizens, for grandmothers, for the elderly, um, is so beautiful and something that I, I don't think I've seen in very many films. Um, and this, the, just the animation that they use for the great-great-grandmother um, in this is so beautiful. You have every single line and wrinkle of age, but she's still portrayed as this amazing, um, wonderful person who everyone loves and loves talking to and is an integral part of the family. Um, I, gosh, I, I saw parts of this plot coming a mile away. There were things that were, um, little seeds that they planted along the way, um, to kind of give you a hint at what was about to come. And they still would play those moments for a big dramatic reveal. And so part of me thought, oh, I'm kind of getting ahead of the movie at certain points. I'm kind of, um, you know, I think I see what's coming. Uh, That's kind of disappointing. But whenever those moments came that they were pointing to, so 
it still delivered such emotional heft that it was as though I had never, as though I had no idea what was coming. It, everything that I thought I would um, see, how it was going to play out or how it would feel, I felt it tenfold. Um, this movie, I'm, I'm raving about it. I can't rave about it enough. I think it's incredible. I think everyone should see it. It's an incredible family movie and just an incredible, incredible work of art. Yeah, I had so much fun in this movie. This movie is gorgeous. Um, I, <laughs> it is, this is the first time that we've had, I've in, in my memory, a lot of kind of nighttime scenes in in a pixar movie yeah Mm -hmm. um there's really not a lot that happens in the daytime in this movie and so you get so many like rich colors of like lighting and stuff like that that happen in this movie it is i think the most beautiful pixar movie um that we've had so far i also love all of the the acting that is done in this um anthony gonzalez who plays miguel the main uh protagonist this is obviously his first movie Sorry, it is not his first movie. This is obviously his first, the first thing that I've seen him in, and he nails it. He kills it. I don't know if he does his own singing. I would. I think he does. Not. Does he really? I think he does. Yeah. Uh, it's so oh, good. Man. It's I think amazing. Disney and Pixar are doing a really good job nowadays to find voice talent that will also do their own singing, especially when it's kids, yeah. like with Moana yeah. and yeah, with Moana. this movie. Yeah. I think they are really searching for those stars. Yeah. Well, he is going to be a star because he is incredible in this. Um, the songs are actually really, really good. Yeah. Um, this is the first time we've had, like, I, I, I know this isn't a musical, but we have many songs in this film that are sung as part of the plot. And so it almost feels like a musical. And they're good. They're all really good. And I love, I'm going to be listening to the soundtrack. It's so, so much fun. Yeah, Lucas, um, as soon as I left the theater, I brought the soundtrack up to listen to the songs on my drive home. The songs are so good. And Slash Film did a piece um, called, and I don't know what the exact number is, but I think it was um, all 368 Disney songs ranked. And it was... Every song that's ever been written for a Disney movie, wow. they just Damn. ranked them all. And there are, man, 368 <laughs> sounds like a lot, and then you go through the list, and it's a lot. Um, yeah, and a lot of hits. A lot of hits, a lot of songs you have no idea about, because they really <laughs> do... all from Tangled. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> they do a lot of like those older Disney movies that have yeah. random songs in them. Uh, um, okay. But... Uh, so going through that list was a really fun experience, and the Coco songs are included in that list. And one of the things that made me so fully aware of is how these songs from these Disney movies embed themselves into our memories and our psyches, and um, that you know they're infectious in a way that almost no other music can be because you hear them over and over and over again as a child, and then they stay with you for your whole life. Um, and that makes me so excited that Pixar chose to include musical numbers in this movie. Because not only is this movie so great, and it needs to be seen by so many people, and it's lovely and beautiful to look at. I agree, Lucas. I think it's the most beautiful movie Pixar has ever made. Um, but 
having these songs that are so good and also um, large chunks of them being in Spanish, I think is so awesome and cool Mm. that Mm. kids are going to like have these songs stuck in their heads for the rest of their lives and that they're going to have this appreciation for Mexican music. Um, That's something that so many parts of the country do not have a deep appreciation for how amazing Mexican music is. Um, And I'm really excited that like, this is going to be a little seed that's going to be planted in the minds of all these young, young people. That was one of my favorite things about this film was whenever, uh, how much Spanish was in this movie and how there were no subtitles. A lot of Spanish in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, um, to me, it felt like, a real statement to um, how universal the things that they were talking through were because mm-hmm. some of it I knew because I know some Spanish that I could understand what they were saying and I it was such an enriching thing to see it in its original language and it felt like such a love letter to the people who were watching it who do speak Spanish and English to say like you get to understand every word in this because this movie is uh, special to you. Um, yeah. But the way that they placed it in there, I felt like most of the time was in the context of an English uh, sentence in such a way to where a few of the words or a few of the phrases were put there in a way to where like, oh, I think I got what that meant. Was that y'all's yeah, experience? It was, yeah, it was super well done to where like, you, like the writing is so just crisp that it all flows and you get the understanding of the sentences of those statements um, just because of the context and because of like some of the actions that they take and stuff like that to where you know what they're saying, even if you don't know those words. Um, and so, yeah, if you but if you know Spanish, you're going to get way more. I think you're going to get way more out of it than if you than if you don't. But if you don't, you're still getting the full meaning of that or not the full meaning. You're still getting um I think a great understanding of what is happening in this movie, which is amazing (laughs) and doesn't feel like forced in there at all. Yeah. I also want to say I follow Lee Unkrich on Twitter and he has been tweeting a bunch about how um, he really hopes that people who do speak Spanish take the opportunity to listen to this movie in Spanish, that they have like a Spanish track of all all the audio and that, Certain theaters, you can, like, get headphones to listen to, like, the Spanish version. Mm -hmm. And if not, they have it available online, I think, so that, like, you can tune in to with headphones to the Spanish audio track of this film as you watch it. The theater that I was in um, was one of the few showings that was actually in English. Most of the ones that I was looking at were are in Spanish. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I really hope that they have a version where all of the text is in spanish like this felt like a film that should have been entirely in spanish and there were so many signs like this is this way and this is the i i hope that Mm -hmm. even the signs that painted at the end um and all the like gravestones and all that stuff i just thought i know that takes a lot of digital animating to make those words engraved into that stone but i hope they did it two different ways because this film earns that yeah i agree that would be really cool um i also just want to say that this movie is the highest grossing movie of all time in mexico um yes and that's just that's cool beating beating the avengers wow this movie you know i i wanted some for some context um i had a grandfather pass away this year and that was the first 
close family member to pass away in my family for me as like as an adult um I'd had family members pass away when I was a little kid but um this was kind of one of the first major deaths for me and seeing this movie was such an intensely emotional experience and one of the things that makes this movie so great is that like Obviously, it's a very specific cultural story with cultural traditions and um, language and music, but the themes of this story couldn't be more universal. Everyone has family members that pass away. Everyone has large extended families, whether you are aware of them or not, um, which this movie touches on in a cool way. The fact that we have family members that we hear about all the time and family members that we don't even know about. Um, and this movie is just one thing that like, yeah, everyone should see and have a strong emotional response to this movie because we all die. We all know people that die. Um, and I love how this movie really just warmly embraces the idea of death and doesn't treat it as this like large, dark, looming, scary figure that a lot of children's films do because death is scary. But this movie treats it as just like a natural progression. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I imagine that if I was a parent, this would be such an essential movie to show my kids just to like ease that conversation about like what death is. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine how invaluable this movie will be to parents in the future. Yeah. One of the things I remember from uh, I, whenever I was learning Spanish in high school, um, I struggled a lot. And so I at one point had a tutor who was um, great for so many things. And one of the re things that she's able to talk through was a lot of um, cultural intricacies that I w wasn't getting in school and wasn't learning about. And she talked about how um, death is such a different thing in Mexican culture and how it's something everyone celebrates and um, how in the States we have a very um, intentionally distant relationship from death. And um, the house I was living at at the time was a stone's throw away from a graveyard. And she said, this is one of the strangest neighborhoods I've ever seen because one of the things I noticed most about um, neighborhoods in the United States is that your graveyards are very, very far from homes, always. That we don't like to think about death and you have to, thinking about death is something that you schedule um, and you want to be able to compartmentalize and it's not um, thought of in the same breath that you think of life and that is so intensely different. Um, and that's one of the, th I agree with you, Sandra, I think this is going to be such an essential tool to be able to talk through that with kids. It was a pretty essential tool to thinking about it with me i yeah i watching it i it made me think about death in a whole new way there's there's a there's a scene um in this without giving anything away the main character is uh talking to someone in the land of the dead um and that person says uh something like you're great uh i hope you die very soon <laughs> and then yeah. they laugh and like yeah. you know what i mean um but just this kind of sense of um even showing uh, the bones, it wasn't a, uh, there's something, I don't know, more to that, like your essence is still there, but it wasn't gory, but it was bones. And it was, it was also celebratory and 
um, positive and it's kind of like the bones are always there right under the skin. There's this kind of death is always there as part of life and family is always there. There, it, it just, I obviously in trying to say it here am, am cheapening, um, the great, the great message that it put forth in the, in the movie. And, um, it's such a touchstone of, of that cultural attitude. And I, I loved it. This is, uh, yeah. The one thing I, d- I want to say before we move into spoilers is that like, I'm from, I'm not Hispanic, but I grew up in South Texas where mostly everyone is. And, um, I didn't get to go home for Thanksgiving this year. And watching this movie made me so sad that I didn't get to see it in an audience in South Texas. Um, Mm. because like, you know, we talk about the importance of representation a lot in the, on this podcast and, um, and I get emotional every time we have this conversation because it's so important. Um, but the idea that, like, this is a major Pixar movie where there is going to be toys and lunchboxes and candy and um, all the types of exposure that Pixar movies get, you know, um, mm-hmm. where the star is a Mexican little boy is truly, like, it's just a huge deal. Um, you know, not only are so many of our movies, like, overwhelming, overwhelmingly white, but, like, a lot of our our animated movies, especially, are, like, ch- and children's movie, are so, so very white. Um, and to have, a, and not only are they so very white, but, like, very, um, very rarely do you have latinx characters in mm-hmm. major children's media um that that is like a heritage that is often often overlooked and in today's political climate it is more important than ever to have like amazing positive representation of mexican children and what that's going to mean to like every kid in my hometown is indescribable. So I'm very emotional about like just this movie even existing, much less it being as like beautiful as it was. Um, I just I think people need to not forget like what a big deal this is and how like emotional it is for like a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Another thing that I uh, before we jump into spoilers thought was so great because of that influence that you talk about, Sandra. Um, was just how much um, Grandma Coco in this movie, um, the character of Grandma Coco and the way all of her family interacts with her, um, you know, it. this movie deals with uh, dementia and um, degenerative uh, brain disease, and we don't know exactly what it is. They don't specify what it is, but basically... Um, loving a grandparent, loving a family member who is dealing with forgetting things. Um, and, um, the way I, seeing my grandparents this, um, Thanksgiving, we talked a lot about my great grandparents who lived to be pretty old. I, I remember them, um, in, in these times whenever they were, um, getting to this point where they weren't remembering people. And, um, the, the joy with which, um, our main character talks to Grandma Coco, and the 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 love that he shows to her, I think 
the it is so wonderful and so important that all the little kids who um, see this movie, um, especially Latinx people, but also like at, at anybody, anybody with a, a great grandparent, with an, an, an older um, relative sees this because they model, whether or not they think about it, a lot of times they model that behavior or that behavior becomes more appealing whenever it's portrayed in a fun film like this. And so if they can think to themselves, if they can get take the extra step of, oh man, my grandma or my grandpa has these great, um, these great stories that they know about that no one else does, and whether or not I know if they can hear what I'm saying, if they can understand what I'm saying, I should really be uh, talking to them and um, hearing everything I can about how they, um, you know, what their life was like. And, um, you know, every family is different and, and sometimes it, it doesn't work quite that way or it's not such a, a cohesive family like is shown in this um, this movie. But just seeing that model was something I, I had not seen before and I was really glad it was out there because I know whenever I was a little kid, I was always so, um, it was very hard for me to, to pay attention to stay engaged and to want to be there and so seeing a kid being always happy to be around um his great-grandmother i thought was a great thing to be on film yeah i agree yeah oh all right we ready to talk spoilers let's talk spoilers before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen now cracking gas spoilers remember you wanted this um, so to kick it off, did you guys see the twist coming where Hector was his grandpa or great grandpa, whatever? Sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Pixar is known for like the like huge twists. Like you never right. saw this coming, right. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. very Somebody few... in my theater did just go, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So maybe it wasn't like okay. an adult. I think, uh, yeah. I, yeah. What? Was it an adult or a child? Yeah, it, yeah, it was an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I I yeah, I didn't think it was like kind of like what you said Lawson, like I didn't think it was particularly like sly or anything like that. But I thought it still nailed the delivery. Oh. Of it. Like they killed killed that scene where they find out that they're related to each other. Yeah. It was so good. To have one the humor of him being like I just thought, like, my grandfather was a murderer. Um, (laughs) And then also to have the heart of, like, I'm so proud to be related to you. Both of them saying Mm -hmm. that to each other was, like, man, that's a powerful thing to say. I'm getting emotional now thinking of, like, whenever they scream, like, they all yell, the grita. Like, it was so, so cool. Uh, Let me tell you, the moments where they had, like, him trying out to do, like, the grito was so nostalgic for me because oh yeah um in my high school we would have like grito contests like on the stage well like any uh, like you would just line up and people would like each go to the microphone and try their best one and like you know it was kind of like an applause meter where we would all pick the winner (laughs) and like that was just like such a formative part of my growing up was that noise that specific like yell being around constantly at football games at parties at dances at um concerts like that was just like everywhere and to to have that so specifically represented in a movie was really cool 
That is fun. That is really cool. I want to. I do want to oh. say, as far as the Hector reveal goes, something that I saw online afterwards that I didn't pick up in the movie was that um, the tooth on the guitar, like on the guitar, there was that like skull at the tip of the at the end of it, mm-hmm. and yes, on yes, that I skull that. there was a gold tooth on it, and Hector has a gold tooth. Um, yeah, there was that little foreshadowing that I didn't specifically pick up on. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to bring up in spoilers is that, I mean, everything about this movie was beautifully animated, but the spirit animals were so cool. Um, I love that the matriarch of this family, who it doesn't seem to be anyone special in that she's not a celebrity or a politician or a warrior. She's just like a shoemaker. Um had the biggest most badass spirit animal like i that specific one was so cool to look at um i would like watch a whole movie just about her and her spirit animal going on adventures Um, (laughs) it was awesome and i loved loved that aspect of the film yeah all the iridescent colors in this i was yeah so i was just in awe of the way they made fur glow and the streets glow and all these different things like everything glowed in a beautiful i had never i don't think i've ever seen something animated like that it was so cool um how did you feel about him the uh the marty mcflyness of him like turning into a skeleton at first at first i was like you know this is like a weird it does it didn't i guess to me it didn't hinder him at all so it, it didn't like i get that if that at sunrise he would be stuck there but I don't I don't know. Like I didn't necessarily like connect to the him turning into a skeleton throughout the night kind of look. Right. Um because they didn't really show it all that much. Like you couldn't really see it except for his hands, really, for most of the movie. Well that really helped him out because he covered up everything except his hands, and his hands <laughs> looked like bones, so he was all set. Um it's true. I thought yeah, it was kind of cool. I thought it was cool that they I think the way that they did it was really nice. Kind of this like fading opacity just to bones like mm-hmm. i don't know it was very like i was saying before like it wasn't shying away from mortality but it also wasn't being yeah. like uh gory about it yeah you know one thing that they didn't touch on and i don't blame them because it is a dark thought was the idea that we didn't really see a lot of children in the land of the dead you know we didn't yeah we, you know because that is that yeah. is hard and dark is the idea that like children also die and like how tragic that is. Um, I think if this wasn't a Pixar kids movie, yeah, that that would be an interesting part of the story to explore. Is that like mm-hmm. what is it like if there are kids in the land, or are there not many, or how you know how many are there, and are all the people that are there? more anxious to make sure that he survives because of the tragedy of a child dying Mm -hmm. to like Mm -hmm. those who are still living, you know, um, that is something that like as adults, I think we're very aware of that. Like he has to get out because like (laughs) he he has parents, you know? Um, (laughs) but as a child, that's something that I think like people are going to watch this as kids and then watch it again as they grow up and be like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. Definitely. The uh, thing that was interesting to me <laughs> afterwards, I was like, hold on a minute. Because uh, Grandma Coco, whenever she goes to the Land of the Dead, 
looks just like she did um, whenever she when passed. She died. And yeah. so <laughs> I looked at, I thought about whenever um, he was meeting all of his relatives in the land of the dead for the first time and like recognized mm-hmm. all of them. Like, did everyone die right after they had their portrait taken? Because like, <laughs> you guys all look just like your picture. I understand why they did it's it, true. but I was thinking about that, you know, too minute of detail about it. Yeah. Like, well, none of y'all have gray hair. There, it, you know, that it does kind of make sense that, like, to us, they look like their portraits, but that's just only because it's all bone structure. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's we're not seeing the skin of aging. The only. The re- we did see hair. Yeah. The, the biggest thing is hair, but I think that, like, it's implied that, like, they don't actually have hair, that they have wigs. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's true. That's true. That like So you choose your you choose your wig. Right. <laughs> and so like a lot of them seem to choose wigs of like not not their eldest. Not their oldest. You know. Whereas yeah. Coco, I guess, is just really feeling that white hair, you know? Yeah. And gray hair yeah. is her crown. Yeah. Her silver hair. What's the what's the phrase? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. That guys, that was a ton of fun. I I love Pixar movies. Like yeah. I I <laughs> I, n- I never really forget that, but every time I'm in one, I'm like, man, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, gosh, this was a lot of fun. I really don't have much else to say about this. I feel like there's, again, there there, there aren't a lot of spoilers, but. You know, one thing um, I really quickly want to say is that mm-hmm. as great as this movie is, it doesn't have the level of humor that I've come to expect from a Pixar film. Mm. Um, there are definitely funny moments, moments I laughed out loud. Um, one in particular was during the talent show when you had like the scene kid with like a DJ stand. Um, (laughs) I thought that was like hilarious. Um, but this film is just like, it's more about like a journey and emotions than it is about humor. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Um, it's just a different change of pace. It's a, a change of pace, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us, but um so where can we find you guys around the internet you can find me on all social platforms at sandra Amstutz. my last name is spelled a-m-s-t-u-t-z definitely go follow me on letterboxd because i'm tracking all of my award season movies there you can follow me on all social platforms uh twitter instagram letterboxd at lawson west um and you'll see me sobbing anytime someone says the word uh, Coco or Remember or whatever else for the next week yeah. and a half. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, and I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Yeah, Letterbox is a great place to be if you're not already there, especially as the word season comes up. Mm-hmm. We'll be tracking through everything that we've got. Um, we'll also probably be making our lists once we get into Oscar predictions early next year um, on there as well. Right. So um, – Definitely, if you guys have thoughts on Coco, if you loved it, if you hated it, I don't know anybody who hated it, but if you did, <laughs> let us know. We're on Twitter as a group at feelingitpod. Um, you can send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Um, also, leave us a review on iTunes if you yep. listen to us on iTunes. And if you don't listen to us on iTunes, I would love to know where you're listening to us, whether it's just SoundCloud or somewhere else. Yeah. So Give us a shout. We're torrenting our, our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's our issue, piracy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will talk to you guys later. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.
That's so good. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I'm really glad they changed it because it was originally going to be, what was it, uh, Dioses Muertes? Um, and yeah. Yeah. So. I know, right? <laughs> as soon as, as soon as they, like, they like hinted the fact that he was a, like a, what 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 did they call it? It wasn't a spirit animal. It was a spirit guide. Yeah, yeah. As soon as like the the guy hinted at that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. He's gonna be a spirit guide. <laughs> yep. You too. Adios.